Hi everyone, welcome to Bangers and Mash, a podcast about bangers. I'm your host, Bonya. This is a podcast about music history and trends in the 20th and 21st centuries. Every episode, there will be a different topic that I will discuss a little more in depth. Uh, It's not very structured at the moment, but I hope with time it'll get there. Today's episode will be about synthesizers and how they changed music forever. Uh, It actually seems like a really appropriate topic to talk about right now because they're making a huge comeback right now everywhere you look and most people associate the synthesizer sound with the 80s and they wouldn't necessarily be wrong in that but actually the 80s was only when synthesizers became a mainstream tool in popular music and the development and incorporation of the synthesizer into music composition started way before that point and way before many people actually think. The history of synthetic music can be traced back to the year 1920, when Leon Theremin, a prominent Russian-Soviet inventor at the time, introduced his invention, the Theremin, which obviously is named after him. And this was one of the first electronic music instruments in the world, and also the the first ever to be mass-produced. This instrument was extraordinary, and still is in my opinion, because it really looked and sounded like magic. Um, It's kind of a wooden rectangular box with two antennas sticking out of it, and the person who plays it stands in front of the instrument and moves their hands between the two antennas. So in that sense, it really looks like the person is just moving their hand in the air and somehow sound is coming out of that. Um, And the reason why that works, and I'm not going to pretend that I'm an expert in physics or anything, but the basic concept of it is that your hand's distance from one antenna determines the pitch or frequency of the sound, and the distance from the other antenna determines the volume or the amplitude of that sound. So like if you, the closer you move your hand to the pitch antenna, the higher the pitch will be, and the same goes for the volume antenna. Uh, The instrument itself also sounded super unique because it has this kind of eerie space-like electronic sound to it, which probably sounded like some kind of alien communication in 1920 when it was invented. And if you're curious, here's an example of what that would sound like. Theremins were not really used in mainstream music at that time. Uh, If they were used, it was mostly as a way to cover already existing classical compositions that had been written hundreds of years before. But that all changed in 1966 when the Beach Boys released their ingeniously composed album Pet Sounds, thanks to Brian Wilson. Um, They actually used the theremin in the song I Guess I Just Wasn't Made for These Times in a very interesting way because by that time no one really had done this type of thing but actually it's not very surprising when you know the genius behind brian wilson who is the lead member of the beach boys and particularly in that album he used the studio in a very experimental way 
but the point still remains that no one at that time had been using quote unquote electronic sounds in their music. So it was kind of revolutionary for him to have made the decision to do that. And here's a sample of the theremin portion of that song, just for your reference. I guess I just wasn't made for these Definitely a very interesting choice, and I would even argue that this probably set off another wave of electronic sounds in mainstream music. The theremin was actually a very strong predecessor of the synthesizer, because the man who invented the synthesizer as we know it today, Robert Moog, had actually been producing theremins at a theremin factory in 1963 when he had first come up with the idea of the Moog, also named after him, which became the first real synthesizer ever. Uh, and in 1964, the first Moog synthesizer had started to be mass produced. However, it was practically impossible to use comfortably because it took up the area of an entire room and it had like a million different knobs and inputs. It wasn't very easy to use. Also, nobody really actually cared about the sound of it at the time. Uh, it was mainly used in experimental music. It didn't really have any appeal or relevance in the mainstream sphere, but it was nonetheless revolutionary because it took what the theremin was doing and completely changed it and updated it. And now instead of just producing one type of sound and changing and oscillating the pitch, you could produce many different types of electronic sounds that, that had different shapes, tones, uh, uh, and different dimensions than anything the theremin could, tr could produce by that point. The first time the Moog was used in any mainstream composition was actually by the Beatles on their Abbey Road album, which came out in 1969. Um, and when they found out about the Moog, they immediately became very interested and eager about it. So they actually met with the man himself, Robert Moog, to learn anything they could about how it worked. And they would sit with that huge Moog synthesizer that took up the whole room and he would walk them through how to use it and everything. And actually, Paul McCartney was kind of the driving force behind that because by that point, he was very much in his avant-garde experimental phase. So he was super interested in this new idea of like this electronic sound modifier that we now call the synth. And um, actually, you might not be able to immediately recognize it, but here comes the sun, which is if you look on Spotify, it's the most played Beatles song. It uses the hell out of the, the Moog synthesizer. And here is a portion of that song for, as an example.
hear uh, the actual synth, uh, take a look at this isolated version of the same portion that I just played, and you'll hear exactly what I mean. It's very strong in synth. So by that point, the Beatles had been the main prominent users of the Moog synthesizer because they were really the only ones that could have real access to it because of how difficult it was to use and transport. But this all changed in 1970 when the mini Moog was introduced. And this was actually a real revolution because now the synthesizer becomes accessible for everyone. Now you didn't have to go into a special room with this huge unruly system that had a million buttons and knobs. And instead it was a much smaller synthesizer with a keyboard interface. And it was also extremely portable. In fact, actually, if you look at many, a lot of the concert footage that you see from the 70s and 80s, those guys with mullets playing synths, that was likely to be the mini Moog. Uh, and the reason why it was so popular was because it looked like a very inviting instrument. It was small, portable, it didn't weigh very much. It had this warm wooden finish and a keyboard interface and also a bunch of little modules and oscillators that were all organized in a very easy way as opposed to the old Moog that had thousands of different buttons and, and modules and knobs that were very hard to learn your way around. And because of the Minimoog having been invented and spreading in the mainstream sense by 1971, this has really started to make its way into many well-known and well-loved music. For example, Pink Floyd used it in Dark Side of the Moon in 1973 on the song On the Run. And here's a portion of that to show you. It even made its way to reggae, believe it or not, when Bob Marley started using it as well, particularly in one of the first songs he ever composed with the Wailers called Stir It Up. By the end of the 1970s, artists really started to go crazy for a Moog synthesizer. They really embraced it. 
Up until this point, it was used in the song as a complement to the other quote-unquote natural instruments that were also played in the song. But by the end of the 70s, artists really asked the question, what if we made an entire song from synthesizer sounds? And this is when groups like Kraftwerk started to come around. Um, if you're not familiar, Kraftwerk was an, uh, a group from Germany that was created in the beginning of the 1970s, and they were the very first to really embrace the synthesizer electronic sound way earlier than many others did, namely with uh, the song Autobahn, which came out in 1974. This is the reason Kraftwerk were absolutely extraordinary, because as opposed to some of those previous examples that I showed, they didn't just use a synthesizer as an enhancement or a complement to the otherwise organic instruments that are playing, but rather they really changed the attitude towards it by having the ability to create an entire song from just these electronic sounds, and they really made it a huge part of their identity just making the songs with this electronic sound uh, and they were really the first to do it I mean we usually associate the sound with the 80s but they were doing this all the way back in the early 70s and that's extraordinary Donna Summer, our beloved disco queen and someone who had really established herself in the genre of disco by the 70s, also really changed the game again in 1977 when she released her infamous song, I Feel Love, which uses an excessive amount of synthesizer. At the time, the song was touted by music critics as being quote-unquote from the future, and they even predicted that all music would sound that way in the far future, and honestly, they were not that far off. And there's a reason for that, because an argument can be made that this song really did change everything. It showed both music listeners and musicians alike that you could really make something incredible and full-sounding from just electronic sounds, without using any real instruments. And this leads us into the golden era of synth, the 1980s. This is when synth became really the main instrument in literally every genre you could name. Pop, R&B, New Wave, everything. Uh, artists like Prince, Michael Jackson, and Madonna used the synthesizers religiously in their songs. I don't even know if it's really worth playing an example because there are just so many from that time to take from. It almost seems appropriate to generalize that the 80s were really taken over by synth in every sense. Slow music, fast music, party music, happy music, sad music, all of it had excessive amounts of synth. But this increasing use of synth throughout the 80s is in fact, in my opinion, what makes it the most interesting decade of music. 
The synthesizer played such an effect on music at the time that every individual year from the 80s can be distinguished from any other year from the 80s, only because the sound started developing exponentially thanks to th synthesizers. What I mean by this is that if you play me a song from 1982 and then another song from 1987, I could tell you exactly what years they came out in because that's how strongly and quickly music changed in the 80s year by year. For example, in 1980, there was disco everywhere you look, and that was the most common genre at the time. But by 1987, only seven years later, we were already treading into these very strong electronic sounds, rough percussion and complex rhythms, which actually led into the new jack swing and hip hop eras of the early 90s. For example, take Give Me the Night, a very popular disco song from 1980, which used virtually no synthesizers. And then take Small Town Boy by Bronski Beat, which literally came out just four years later in 1984. Completely different universe. The mass use of synthesizers by the mid-1980s changed music forever. Before the 80s, music had been progressing, of course, but at a much slower rate. By the late 70s and early 80s, music had already made such a huge leap that no one anticipated it would take an even greater one throughout the rest of the 80s. By the 1990s, synthesizers had become relatively abandoned because there was a preference for a more electronic sound. Computers were already prevalent at the time, and so we started to get electronic dance music like techno and house, which would later progress into techno of the early 2000s, which then transformed into EDM and dubstep and all those sub-genres that we have like drum and bass and all of that uh, and any modern pop music. But the point is, people were far more interested in what a computer could do rather than a synthesizer. But the interest in making music electronically in the first place only happened because artists wanted to build on what they had been able to achieve with synthesizers. Without synthesizers, we would not have any of the music we listen to today. The reason why we even have the idea of electronic music, which has become the norm now, is because of the advent of the synthesizer. I hope you enjoyed my podcast. In the future, I would like to have a Q&A segment at the end. Uh, so please ask me anything you've ever wanted to know about music and I will try to answer it at the next episode. Um, please follow me on Instagram at bangersmashpodcast. I will shout it out. But yeah, thank you. Peace and love. See you next time.